Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Welcome you all back to the Tip of the Tower podcast. Uh, David Morissetti here with Richard Lee Sam, right at my left side. Hello, hello. Um, Austin is preparing himself for his, I think it's one of his last days of his internship, if not very close to it. So he will be he'll be back full time with us next week. No, Austin just doesn't care about us. That's why he's not here today. Uh, you said it, I didn't. So you you two you two can hash that out later in your if you guys do that type of stuff. I'm not sure. Um, but we got a couple of things we want to bring up today. Obviously, pitchers and catchers report for spring training. So there there's in- <laughs> there's nothing like this in baseball. I mean, sorry, there's nothing like this in sports. Like, you know, and as a fan of like football, hockey, baseball, like everything. There's nothing like pitchers and catchers reporting in any other sport. Like if let's say Kyle Lowry just decides, you know what? It's August. Let's go shoot a couple jumpers. No one gives a shit. It's like, <laughs> all right, cool. He's training. He's been training all I mean, but, yeah, these baseball players train all the time, but no, this yeah, is like yeah. like I'm not saying that they don't, but like as soon as like these guys high, roll into Florida, it's like, all right, guys, we're here. When like, Jonas, we're still a long way away from when when Jonas Cespedes goes in that Batmobile. Yeah, like when <laughs> when people start talking about like the cars, like um, who was it? Thames. Eric Thames showed up in a pickup truck that was like lifted heavily, and that's a story. In uh, Daniel Norris with the uh, the mobile. Oh yeah. See, RV. It's 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 so funny how and you know I'm not saying that like these these stories are a bad thing, but like it's it's funny how excited we get as baseball fans that like the first sign of spring is like look at these athletes it's playing February. Catch. Like, <laughs> Everyone can gets depressed when they hear spring training like, sometimes because it's like it's I guarantee so you that here. most pitchers played catch 
at least some point in January, right? But then as soon as they show up in Florida or um, Arizona, it's like, all right, guys, we're here. Like, the team isn't even there yet, but it's like, all right, we're almost at spring. Like, like Tulo's hurt already, you know. <laughs> Baseball's here, guys. It's We're almost there. It's, yeah, you see, it wouldn't be a Toronto Blue Jays spring training if, A, Tulo injury update wasn't happening. Um, I mean, we, we were not going to get really into this, but the whole uh, Marcus Stroman contract yeah. stuff kind of when overshadowed. Marcus Stroman says some shit. You know, let's not talk. even say shit. It's tweet shit. Yeah, and I mean, like, it's weird because I get where he's coming from, but also it's Twitter, and like, there's no way that he'd get a good reaction from that. Um, he, well, I, I've been seeing it's been mostly positive from yeah. fans that have been tweeting oh, back. At him. I, I saw a lot of stuff. Just oh, there's, all, there's the other side too, but the stuff I but, saw too is there's overwhelming know, support. What Strowman said was dumb, but you know, at least he recognized that it was dumb and started like backtracking. Yeah, but that's where I think you have to – somebody has to has to say to him, look, and this is not the first time it's happened. You think somebody would have told him. You know what? Well, I don't – I can't relate because all my tweets are, like, just level-headed all the time. Oh. Yeah, so Marcus Strom is, like, just like any one of us. Like, if I pitched in a major league game, the first thing I'm doing after stepping off the mound is checking my phone. Maybe sometimes in the dugout. Maybe just – off yeah. to the side a little one of just like well, who, who was it? Who was it on the Red Sox that was Pablo Sandoval checking his Instagram? Pablo Sandoval was liking it. thirst traps on Instagram while on the toilet during a game. Pablo Sandoval is one of us. <laughs> Baseball players are so damn relatable that every single thing they do is like, yeah, I've done that before. <laughs> Except for I remember it was Strowman when he was like about to fly on my private jet. To oh somewhere. my god, that was so funny. <laughs> Strowman wants to seem so relatable, but it's like, you know what? I think that's the issue. I just dropped my parents off my private jet. Y'all do the same. Okay, Marcus, I'm going to go get my family and fucking get them on my jet. Drop them to wherever they want to go. I think that's the thing. He's trying really hard to connect with the fans. I mean, the whole HDMH uh, thing is part of that. And it's hard as fans and it's hard as even media people to relate to how he is feeling because – we're not at his yeah. level. And I mean, like, I'm going to be mocked because of this, but, you know, when Justin Bieber was hated, is hated maybe, still hated. Oh, no, he's still hated. <laughs> but it's like he got a ton of money at the age of, what, 17, 18? Yeah. Do you expect him to be a normal no, person after that? that too. Yeah, see? I think so it was I like guess 14. That's why I guess Strowman is why the way he is. And again, it's not a bad thing. It's just he's not us. He's not. No. He's us, but he's not us in the sense that, you know, I can't go take my private jet because I'm getting on the TTC after this, right? <laughs> but he's still, like, what, 25, 26, right? So, like, he's one of us, but just better at life, I guess. The only the only thing I wanted to really bring up with all this was not even what he said, but just the process of arbitration and that, you know, in hockey, when two when two sides go to arbitration, like, like when uh, PK and the Habs went to – arbitration you know shit went down yeah and, I, mean, and like, not, I wouldn't ever be there i would you, not ever be there and hockey players would not want to go to arbitration but baseball it happens so often and something somebody told me on twitter i think it was um ewan ross uh men talk if, I, if i'm allowed to you know bump my own be pro toronto people um go ahead. no go ahead he he said something that really got me thinking and it was like maybe it's the agents that say you know if the players here Maybe that'll help me negotiate. But then it's like, would you really want that double-edged sword to, you know, you bring your agent there, then the team tears into them. And then it's like, yeah. hey, I got you here. So now not only are you pissed off at me 
bring you here, but you're pissed off at your team, right? Yeah. If if I'm a player and it's so easy to say shit like that, like if I were you, but I wouldn't want to be there, right? Because their prime intention isn't saying we love you and we appreciate you. It's here's why we shouldn't pay you as much as yeah. we should. I, I don't mind the arbitration process. Yeah, I, of, I, of course not. That, that's not my issue is not with the arbitration process. My issue is that you look at how contracts are structured in the NBA and then, I mean, the NFL is different, um, but hockey, you know, I think hockey has the right, almost the right approach. Three years of your entry level, almost like three years of a prove it to me deal. Yeah. Then you can sign, and then you still have the team still has your rights for a couple of years, RFA years. Yeah, and and the difference in that is, you know, like if you're 22, 21, and you played three years of superstar hockey, aka Austin, like if Austin Matthews said, you know what, I don't want to be here now, I'll just become a restricted free agent, and someone will pay me. So someone either you will pay me a lot, or but then again, like hockey's so stupid where it's like I don't want to offer sheet any of your people because I don't want to disrespect you. Fuck that. It's not even disrespect. Fuck that. It, it's like, it's it sends a message. A it sends a ba- actually a worse message to the player that signs the offer sheet. And yeah, he wants to get paid. But it's it's but such like an old boys club where yeah, it's it like they're all friends. Okay, David, I'm your friend, but if you had a star player, and I wanted to win a cup, especially if we're in the same division, I don't give a fuck about you or your team. I'm signing him. A, we'll win with him, or B, you'll have that contract on. Like, like that's what that's what the the and, Flyers did that to Nashville. And that was a like fourteen years, <laughs> and Montreal's got to deal with that exactly. until you know twenty twenty three or whatever it is. But I mean, like, people don't like to side with the players because they make a lot of money. But owners make more. Owners make so much money. And I was a season ticket holder of the Jays last year. I go to you know a lot of Jays games. I have a lot of. Jays, Leafs, and Raptors gear, and it's like, would I want my money to go towards the people that own it or the people that, you know, actually bring the product? Right? On, the reason why I'm going. I'm wearing an Austin Matthews jersey, right? Austin Matthews is going to be a rich guy. Like, in 10 years from now... He's already kind of rich with all no, those No, but he's going to be rich, rich, like stupid rich, right? Would I want my money to go towards MLSE, even though, I mean, as a Leafs fan, I like them, you know? Or would I want, the, you know my money to go more towards Austin Matthews, the guy that can go bar down on any goal in the league. The one uh, one thing I'll say about MLSC, marketing, they do a really good oh, job. Yeah, of course. Of they course. put a lot of investment into the team yeah. through analytics and their sports science department. So yeah. they are – MLSC I mean, still makes a like, crap ton of they, money. And they should make the money. But players, I feel like they should get a bigger cut of the pie. And I'm saying all this because, you know, in baseball, it's more of like we own your rights. We'll – we will control how much you earn, mm-hmm. more or less, right? Um, and then after, you know, all their service time is up, a lot of players are older, right? Like, unless yeah, if you're breaking to- into the league at 18, which is impossible to do, right? Like, yeah. And unless if you're consistently, did you just kick? <laughs> it just kicked. Anyway, it's like, I'm good. unless if you break into the league at a young age, and unless if you're consistently good from like 20 to 35, yeah. which is a Hall of Fame type of resume, you know, you aren't going to make as much as you could have made, right? So it's like, you know, let's look at a guy like Josh Donaldson. Yeah. Right? Let's pretend that Josh Donaldson falls off a cliff this year and just doesn't have any production. He was an MVP level player 2013, 2014. He won in 2015, 2016, and 2017. He played well. 
you know, he's he wasn't under arbitration for all those years, but the Jays still controlled his rights. This is this was his last year of arbitration, and he settled for what twenty three million. Yeah. Do you think a player of his caliber on the open market would get one year twenty three million? He would get a lot more. And my my issue with baseball is, you know, there's too much um, years of service time needed, right? Yeah. And teams are going to say, we'll pay you less than what you deserve um, for this amount of years. And then when you are ready to hit the open market, we won't want to pay you that because we don't think you're worth it. Right. And that's been a huge topic. And it's like, all right, so you pay minor leaguers peanuts. You control them, you know, if they make it up to the big stage, like almost their entire prime of their careers. And then after it's done, it's like, we don't think you're worth the risk. Again, people will not like, you know, hearing this because it's like, do you want the millionaires t- to make more? But then it's like, well, where would you rather the money goes, right? Yeah. And I feel like that's, you know, the huge problem with, with baseball today. I think that's going to uh, – the CBA is up soon, and that's oh, going to yeah. be we're, – we're definitely hearing about this again at oh, some this point. Oh, is, this is going to be, I think, the biggest, uh, biggest to- topic of discussion, I think, in the next CBA. Hockey – the issues in hockey is not even contract. I mean, look, hockey doesn't generate anywhere close to the revenue that baseball, basketball, yeah. and football does. And, and baseball is a huge, yeah, like health. Like football is a billion dollar sport. You know, playing one season could drastically like like change your quality of life. And yeah. these guys aren't getting guaranteed money. Nope, not until. Not until I think, I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo just signed a big deal. I think he's, like, probably the outlier in all this. Is yeah, that? I mean, like, if you aren't a quarterback, you know, how much money are you making throughout your career? And and that's just, like, let's talk about the average player. Because a guy like Marshall Lynch, um, there was a story that was done about how he didn't spend a cent of his career earnings. Which a great for him, right? Like that's smart. That's like that's smart for huge, an athlete. But B, you know, he got all these endorsements, and I'm not saying that endorsements are bad. It's like the average player that Does signed off get. the practice squad Does doesn't get that kind of money, right? It's not like you know. And when we talk about labor and sports, sure they'll make more than I'll ever dream of making. But you know, when you're the top one percent in your field, like you look at like Bruno Mars, he, like. He's a top 1% in his field. No one talks about, you know, like, he makes too much, right? Nope. But, again, it's it, it's, an, it's an issue with sports fans. And something that, you know, like I've been seeing talked about the past um, few weeks was public perception will change if we really knew how much these owners made. Well, I mean, Forbes is doing a much better job at, you know, putting out the revenue that each team generates and... I think, which I, I think the NBA there's there's hardly any team that's not valued at a billion dollars. Yeah, and a lot of it is because of the broadcast deal. Now the advertisement sponsors on the jerseys. There's so much money in sports. There's, there's so much. So it's 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 stupid. Yeah, like you watch a sports game, like every single thing is sponsored. Everything is accounted for from the thing that you see on the field, the playing surface, to the food. You know, like there are contracts everywhere, right? I think that players should get more of that money just because. Yeah. And I mean, like, there will be guys like Stroman that talk about their private jet, but, you know, if I, you know, 
can throw a baseball 93 miles an hour with that kind of movement, I'd want that money too, right? Yeah, exactly. So we're not blaming a player for wanting to get money or getting paid. It sets a principle of where the money should be going, and I think that's I think that's a good place to leave it off because um, we could be we could talk about this all day about how we would <laughs> also like yeah. the money too. Um, Please, somebody give me five dollars. <laughs> <laughs> somebody just give me. You'd be surprised, like even when like you get your tax. You know how we get those tax credits from the government for like GST, and it's like you're right. You know, I will go get my private jet with that. But you get like that that like like seventy six dollars, and you think you're like you're like that's a couple of beers at the at the bar. Or something. <laughs> I got five hundred dollars in vacation pay like last week, and it was like I'm rich. I, like I can buy the earth with this kind of money. <laughs> um, okay, so to, as you brought up, Tulowitzki. Uh, it was revealed that he had a bone. Uh, I'm trying to think of the exact terminology. It was a bone spur removed from his heel or yeah. something that was not very comfortable yeah. done to his heel. Fucking CJ. Well, what was CJ Crone? If it's the same thing that ended his season last year, it's because CJ Crone was an idiot and didn't step on first base properly, which is a dangerous play. Like, I, like I played first base, and like it was like if I step on on the base while trying while trying to make an out. Like, I can break someone's ankle, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so it's such a dumb injury. I th- remember Bryce Harper slipping oh on God, the bag? Was, and his knee looked like it just... We thought his, his leg was destroyed. Like, I don't get why. Like There's so many dangers in baseball. I get crashing into a wall. I get, you know, your arm blowing up because of, you know, fastballs. I mean, you know, I'm sorry. Not fastballs, but like you know what Tommy John surgery and like that kind of stuff. But stuff at bases is so avoidable. Like, yep. Well, that's why, that's especially a wet base. Like, like what do you do to a wet base? Do you just not step on it? That's your job, right? Yeah. Uh, man, poor Tulo. Like, you, all this I want is, is this just, is an injury. Like people say, oh, he's made of glass. I guarantee any other player that is in that situation is going through the exact same thing that Tulo is right now. Like, yeah. I can't bl- – yes, does Tulo have his have his bad history? Of course. It's undeniable. But this is not something that he could have predicted yeah. or any other medical team would yeah. have been able to predict. I mean, I feel for the guy because it's like he has the talent. I, I feel like people are undervaluing him because he's only, what, 33, 34? He can still contribute at a league average level, which nobody thinks he can. And it's crazy to say, you know, like, yeah, he can. Like, I'm I'm being optimistic that he can contribute at a league average level. But, you know, he's been so hurt all the time that it's like, this I is, don't know. This is why I hate, and this brings back to the conversation we had back with Kiki Madsen, having Kendrys Morales as the, own, as the, like, the lone DH, as really the only other than playing first base, because it takes away a DH spot for a guy like Tulo that maybe you cut back some of his starts, you know, in the field. A guy like Russell Martin, where you may want his bat, but you don't want him catching all the time because of the wear and tear it has on your body. Th- this yeah. is, I think, where the Blues, you have to figure out who, what's more important, trying to manage Tulo's, you know, season by trying to put him on the DL or having that Kendry's Morales contract. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm expecting not really big things from Kendry Morales, but better things. You know? The first chance that he is producing and a team is calling, the Blue Jays should be shipping him off. Yeah, 
I think they're of course. But I mean, I like I I still wouldn't do it now because you know. No, right now there's the Blue Jays would have to send a, either send a prospect or eat money. Yeah, I mean, eating money might be a a solution that could work, but. If it means giving up an asset and a prospect, yeah, I mean, I would like I would rather have him on the team. I'd rather just, just tell Tulo. I'm, well, I mean, because he's not the best slugger, but last year wasn't really indicative of what he can do. You know, no, and I I think yeah, I think there was a lot left on the plate for him, but at some point he has to start producing. Otherwise, he's going to be send, spending a lot of time on the bench. Maybe that's the other option is that he plays the bench, he's on the bench, and Tulo just gets that DH spot at times, and you give a guy. I, I'm not even sure who would be the front runner for the for the bench spot if it's uh, Solarte or if it's uh, or if it's Diaz. Just speaking of those guys on the bench is is so refreshing because it's like we never wanted to see Ryan Goins or Darumbani. They're so the bad. They're so bad. Like. People don't know like just what positive regression can do. Like um Diaz and Solarte are projected to be league average, right? Which is nothing to really write home about. But when you're replacing guys like Goins, Batista and Barney, this is like negative <laughs> contributions. This is like when you bring in Josh Donaldson caliber with three players to offset the crap that you put with last year up with last year. Like people I don't think people it's knew like, how bad Jose's struggles were, but Barney and Goins I think it's like were losing two that weren't as notable. Ten bucks every single day for a week and then on the Monday of the next week finding five and then you're like, Holy shit, I, I have money now, right? You know, like you aren't losing anymore. It's yeah. a very marginal gain, right? But I feel like the, the Jays aren't as bad as people think. Like I said, I don't, I don't know like if I said this last week, but there are some books and projections that think the Jays will win seventy nine, eighty games. I'm, yeah. I'm putting a lot of money on the over because I mean I don't think that they'll win ninety, but eighty six, eighty seven, eighty six, right? They're, you know, they're what they are, right? It's it all comes down to health. Yeah. Like it's not. A, I don't even think it's ability because a lot of the issues with ability was health. Russell Martin was had a nerve. I think it was a pinched nerve in his shoulder or a nerve issue in his shoulder. Not really something you want a catcher to be dealing with. Yeah. Uh, Aaron Sanchez had a blister in his finger. If not if, ideal if for a pitcher. Aaron, sorry, if they have Aaron Sanchez. That's I was about to. That's the Malcolm you. Kelly sports rule. That uh, that's just a, a rule that everybody. Oh, I, should I, don't, have. I don't know why I said wait. Like you watch this team like every single day, but um, if the Jays have 2016 Aaron Sanchez and 2017 Marcus Stroman for a full season, like if if they have that for 400 innings, you don't need to have a top five offense in the league because no. they'll like. They will suffocate you. This was, I mean, how many, what, 2015 they had, or was it 24? What year did they have, like, one of the best offenses in the league? 2015. But the pitching was yeah. not there. And then last year, the, the pitching dragged them in, dragged them into the playoffs. So Two years ago. Talking about, oh, yeah, sorry. She's, <laughs> we're in 2018. Um, So I want to segue to Jaime Garcia. Go ahead. Because you talk about Stroman and Sanchez. Something I want to talk about is... Is um sorry is um ground ball rate 
right? Yeah, that was. All right. That so up. from 2015 to 2017, a huge sample. There are, so sorry, of of all qualified starting pitchers, there are three Blue Jays in the top ten. Marcus Stroman is second. 0.1% behind Dallas Keuchel, which is a pretty good name to be with. Mm-hmm. You go down to number nine, there's Aaron Sanchez, okay. 55.3. And the guy they signed yesterday is up at number six, Jaime Garcia. We know that the NL and the AL are two different beasts. You know, he didn't pitch that well in New York. But keeping the ball on the ground is a huge thing, right? Like, it's it's... it's I mean, with with pitchers, I mean, there's pitchers who are striking out qual- you know, at, at a quality rate, but it, I think I, the point you're gonna, I, I kind of jumped at your point here, is that pitchers that are able to get those ground ball outs are more, are tend to be a bit. What's the word I'm looking for? It's more of a quality that teams look for now, as opposed to strikeouts, because what what leads to strikeouts usually? Um, velocity could be one. And yeah. if your velocity's not there, location, ground ground balls are a lot easier to to hope for. Yeah, having that ground ball percentage than a higher strikeout percentage. I, and I feel like if you can strike, if you can strike people out, and also have an elite ground ball percentage, you're a, a top tier pitcher. Now I'm not saying that Stroman and Sanchez are top tier pitchers. I'm just saying that they're. Well, I think Sanchez is a top tier pitcher. That's what their ceiling is, though. Yeah, right? it is. like yeah, you know, you see guys like. Stroman and Sanchez, they're keeping the ball on the ground, but they can also strike you out. The thing with Garcia is that he's not really a top-tier pitcher. No. But you don't need a top-tier pitcher as your as your fifth starter. What I liked about that is that they also have the option for our next year, right? Yeah. So, I mean... And he's year, a lefty, too. Yeah. So I like that as well. That's not a bad signing at all. Like, you know, there was um, somebody from Fangraphs that posted something today saying... You know, the Blue Jays had a sneaky good off season, right? They have. It's you know. I think they've they've addressed the issues that they could not last year, in a more efficient way. Uh, the only the only part part of the lineup I that should concern people is the outfield. Yeah, but I mean, a Pierce, Granderson platoon should be slightly above average. Yeah. Find out what you want to do with Pilar and Gritchuk because I don't want to see them both in the same lineup at the same time because especially if they hit back to back, like that's like a Colby Rasmus so, and a Justin Smoke. I mean, I would rather see Gritchuk get more because I think he ha he can at least Yeah. I Wait, think, sorry, I, I said think... Colby Rasmus and Justin Smoke. I mean Colby Rasmus and JP and Savia, which was Oh, that's oh <laughs> Jesus. I can't I can't believe that we're still watching the Jays after watching those two. <laughs> guys go back to back in the lineup. Um, my question there is, okay, I think Ezekiel Carrera's role is diminished quite a bit. I think he the pe- where he lists on the pecking order is lower. Yeah, I mean, th- this spring will be fun because, you know, if you're a good team, most of the time, it's like jobs are, you know, solidified and spring isn't that fun. But this spring, it's like, who wants an outfield job? You know, like, there are jobs to be had. I don't feel like it's anybody's job. So I don't feel like anyone's job is safe, except maybe Granderson, unless if he, like, bottoms out. Because you know what you have with Granderson, right? But I feel like it's going to be, you know... The young guys could easily... I, I want to see a guy like um, Alfred 
try to push someone, but at the same time, I don't really want to see that yet because, you know, I mean, like, I feel like we talked about this again last week, but, you know, he played football. So it's like he still needs those at-bats where, like, he's not playing football and when he's not hurt. But he'll be a guy that'll be in the mix soon. Yeah, Oscar Hernandez struck out way too much last year. So I feel like that's something he can he can correct. Yeah, but with I mean, AAA at bats. Yeah, so like I, like in a perfect world, I would start him and Alfred in AAA. Him, him Alfred and Dwight Smith Jr. in AAA will be so much fun to watch because it's like all right, road trip gonna, to Buffalo. <laughs> honestly, like I, like I might go there just. To I watch wonder how them. much season tickets are in Buffalo. I don't know. If I don't know, but they have people at the Rogers Center all the time at the end of the year, just like selling um, uh, Bison season ticket packs. I'm going to check that right now. Um, but while I'm checking that, uh, Dalton Pompey. I mean, he's not a guy that many people Oh yeah, Pompey. talk about because he's – I wouldn't say he's been forgotten, but he is not well, – I mean, he's – I don't want to call him an afterthought because he's still young, but it's like he's also been a guy that's been like just punched by the injury bug and – that's something that you really can't fault against him because he had the concussion last year. Yes, he did. And one thing that yeah. was really mature was that I don't think he lied and tried to rush himself back. He took his time. And when you're, you know, you go back to talking about the uh, minor leagues and do you really want to play with, like, a brain injury? Like, that's not something to a joke around about, right? Nope. So, and I, like, I hope that he comes to a spring just healthy and ready to go because he's a guy that really needs, you know, like, you know, something good to go his way. All right. So I got the, um, so the Bison season tickets, okay, uh, all 70 games. So they play 70 games at home? Wow. Uh, you want to guess how much before I give the number? Of? It depends. With so they only, have, they only have two options. You get the green seats. Which are the lower level, uh, and then you get the red seats, which are kind of the two, like equivalent to the Blue Jays would be like two hundred and then up to, they don't really have like a five hundred level. They only have two decks, but like yeah. the red goes up. So how much do you think the green ones are? Are we talking per game? I'm talking about the whole entire package. So how uh, the seventy games? Seventy games. Oh, no, let's save. I wish I had the prices right music right now. This would be perfect. <laughs> 800. Oh, nowhere close. 500? 565 bucks. 560. So those are that's the about, tickets. Those are the lower bowl tickets, and that's about $8 so you're, a you're game. You're paying $8.07 American. To watch potentially one of the. And you know what? This is kind of like what the Leafs did with the Marlies. I hate to always cross brand I mean, the sports, you know, but like having a good what kind of sports club? are there in Buffalo, right? You have the Bills <laughs> and the Sabres, but it's like the what Sa- kind of sports are there in <laughs> Buffalo? <laughs> what what is attractive to what? And, and like especially in the summer, it's like and, and exactly and minor league baseball. I don't want to say it does well because there are way too many teams to just say oh it does well, right? But in small towns, I, I guess you can call Buffalo a small town. In a town that there's not much going on other than that. <laughs> yeah, well, that's right? really like, the only summer sport. And that field is probably I mean, like, is I don't, really nice. I don't think that they do that well, but, you know, there are some minor league cities that have, you know, like, great attendance. Great and air quotes, like, attendance, right? But still, you know, it's, like, 
it must be cool to like have that team when like you don't have anything else. Like you know, but with the Marlies, it's like you have the Leafs just down the road, right? And if there wasn't that Leafs, um, that Leafs and Marlies affiliation, I don't think anyone would go to Marlies games, right? Well, it used to be. Uh, the, I don't know if you remember the Toronto Roadrunners. Oh yes, that was years ago. That was when the Leafs uh, had their uh, had their affiliate out in St. John. And yep. so it, the Roadrunners were um, uh, the Roadrunners were like the second tier hockey league hockey team, other than uh, the majors. So there was a St. Mike's majors at that time. Then it became the Mississauga Steelheads. Um, like there was not much. I mean, other than the Leafs, the Roadrunners didn't do great for attendance, but it was still an attractable market yeah. for people who couldn't afford the big league prices. Now. Marley's tickets. I wanted to bring, so we had a comparable. You know how much of Charlie Marley's tickets are? I'm going to a Marley's game on the 18th, and I don't know how. Like, and I got the tickets for free, but I like I don't know how much they would cost. We're, the 18th. Uh, is that a ACC game That's or a, ACC? Those usually are like generally the same price, like 23 bucks or something like that. Annually for Marley's tickets is 570 dollars. See, that's not bad at all. Right? No, it's not. Like. Well, because there's the added benefit of like you live in Toronto, you know, a, you know, if you live in Toronto, there's a great chance of the Leafs being your team. And I'm not saying, I always say I'm not saying because there's always that one dumbass that goes, yeah, but I live in Toronto and I'm a like a Red Wings fan, who, right? If you're in Toronto, odds are you're a Marlies fan, right? Yeah. And it's still in the downtown core. Well, not the core, but like you know, there, right? And and. and- the the benefit that you get too is you get a complimentary eighteen like you get the suite rental, um you can get round one playoff tickets because usually if I mean when the Leafs weren't in Marley's tickets were the hottest hockey ticket in town yeah uh fifty percent off underground parking which if anyone knows Toronto parking is a really great deal. And then there's like appreciation events, uh, food and beverage discounts. Like there's other, and you get to watch the Swedish God himself, Timothy Lilligren. Exactly uh, the 18th. That that sounds like a game, good game to go to if I'm not working um, at the CBC. So I'll see. Um, yeah, I mean, if if you're a, a a Blue Jays fan that lives close to the border, yeah, like if you're a I, Niagara I was Falls, say no other side. Yeah, like if you're like a Niagara Erie fan. I mean, Hamilton yeah, and Burlington, right. like those Still, areas. I mean, like I wouldn't buy season tickets. And drive I probably all wouldn't. That time, but, no. you know, like. I would go for have a, like, a weekend game yeah, yeah, or a Friday right? like, game. Just, just go like twice a month, right? Yeah, my, my plan would probably be go to the game, take a bus to Niagara, and just make a weekend out of it for the weekend. But. Yeah, I mean the the I'm, I'm probably going to keep more of an eye on the Bisons because I think that's kind of what the approach the Blue Jays want. I uh, Ben, crap, what's his name? Uh, ben Charrington. Yes. Okay, he was on five ninety. Wow, I think like a month ago. You don't hear from this guy often, but he have he may have one of the more important roles in the organization. He's kind of like the. Um, well, Mark Carner was in charge of drafting, but he also has a, kind of a say in development and scouting as yeah. well. He, Charrington might have one of the more important jobs with for the Blue Jays because, yeah, and it's just all under wraps now. You know, yeah. he used to be, you know, the Red Sox GM, and it's like just come work for. Like I, I really trust this Blue Jays front office. 
now it seems like they don't really know if they want to. They're caught in a. Jumping. They're caught in a bit of a. But of an, of just a, given the fact that they don't want to do either, the off season that they had was pretty good. Yeah. You know, it if everything goes bad this year, you can still re- retool and still be decent next year, right? Exactly. And then you know you have the two big guys that I won't mention their names, <laughs> that every Blue Jays fan thinks about before they go to bed, right? Like those guys project to be stars by pretty much every single. Yeah, I mean, and I mean, they, like they're still young too, but they 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 were there before they got the before man, the that front office got there. I think or Bichette was tr- was drafted. Antho- um, Anthopolis had, well, sorry, he signed Vlad, but Bichette was, I believe, a Shapiro draft pick. Well, I think yeah, he was, and I mean, he went late. He was a 2016 draft pick, I believe. So that would yeah, make like sense. he went in like the mid uh, 60s, I believe. So like. Like he was a second-round pick. Like, that's great value for, you know. And then you have, like, you know, a guy like Nate Pearson, right? So, yeah, I mean, they're, they're yeah, they're investing in the right areas. I mean, the Blue Jays did have a decent farm sister with Anthopolis. It just got scorched a bit with those trades. The things that I didn't like about the Anthopolis uh, farm systems was it didn't really, you know, uh, generate many hitters. No. It was just... Pitchers and like that was it. <laughs> and guess what's the issue now? I think is we don't have the same caliber of arms that lines up with the hitting. Yeah, um, you know, uh, Sean Reed Foley was um, underwhelming. T.J. Zook had a good um, fall league, but wasn't he was that. the first round pick of that draft of the twenty of the Bichette draft? And then uh, Connor Green wasn't that impressed. Great. No, you know that's why they trade him because he could like he threw gas, but you know he walked a lot. And didn't get that many yeah. swings and misses. Um, but like Pearson's a guy that I'm like I cannot wait to watch his starts every fifth day because you have a guy that can hit a hundred. Um, Baseball America has him as the pitcher with the best slider in the Jays' system. If he can, you know, develop that curveball, it's front of the rotation type ceiling, yeah. right? And again, just prospects, but you know, like people, like there's this common misconception that the Jays have no farm system. You know, it was just that these guys weren't ready for the bigs yet, right? Yeah. And I like I'm not gonna say that they're ready now, but you know, like there are a lot of like just shiny toys that the Jays have. Now. I th- I think the issue is that there's many people who see the Yankees dip into their farm system to make these trades, and still have a good farm system. But that's just an organization that has put a lot of investment into their farm because they're the Yankees and they're the evil empire and they have the money to do it. Yeah. But now, yeah, I, I think we're you're starting to see the benefit of of that farm system. Keegan Matheson actually talked. Uh, I keep bringing this up, but when we we had him on, we asked him about Pearson, and a lot of teams did not know about him. Yeah. And he, the way he he gets his velocity is a lot different than how traditional pitchers do it too. He doesn't – the torque is not all on the arm. It's through the hips and the legs. Yeah. So there's a lot to like with, with Pearson. I think, and I think Atkins is head over the moons with this kid. Okay, and I'm going back to something that a fellow baseball respected Toronto person said. Um, Give his name. Josh Howsam. There you go. Is, you know, is a genius when it comes 
to pitchers and stuff like that. And he went to the Jays event, I think a Winterfest. And uh, he heard, I don't know if Atkins was, I, th- I believe Atkins was talking to a group of people. Um, but, uh, but Josh tweeted this and it said, holy hell is Atkins high on Pearson. Quote, if teams had another month of information on him, his time with us in Vancouver, he would have gone 1-1. And then you read the type of stuff that's been like, you know, written about him. I, I believe that they have that, you know, that Thor type person that the Jays still haven't gotten over all these years, right? Oh, he had to bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean that that's how that's how teams when you trade draft picks and you or well in baseball you can't trade draft picks. When you trade prospects, you're just like, Yeah, we traded him we traded okay. When when people got the whole Syndergaard uh, trade, and people were like, you know, it didn't. It wasn't until after he made the league that people were like, oh my god, you traded him. But also, think it was between Syndergaard and Sanchez. Yeah. Like, the Blue Jays had to make a choice. I mean, at the same time, they didn't really have to make a choice. They could have just been when when like no guy, but. They trust in the fact that, okay, if we're going to give up a guy like Syndergaard, we have a guy like Sanchez that makes that loss a little easier to bear. Back when they pitched in Lansing, I believe, they were known as the Lansing Big Three. Yeah, it was... Sanchez, uh, Syndergaard... And Hoffman. No, or Sanchez, Syndergaard, and um, Justin Nicolino. Oh, right? yes, Nicolino. Wow, Nicolino was a good prospect, too. But where is he now? Right? He... He was like he actually made a few starts um, last year for Miami, eight starts, five ERA. He's he hasn't pitched that well. He's played parts of three seasons, but you know like he's still a major leaguer. And the fact that all three of them turned out to be major leaguers, you know, one of them looks like a superstar, one of them looks like they could be a superstar, and then one is struggling to find his way. But he's still making starts, and that's just that just speaks to how great you know like those picks were. Right? And and that's that's the part that you know we talked about before is that it, baseball and and just like any draft in any sports league, there is absolutely no guarantees. There's none. Well, you're, I mean, you know, when I mean, unless you're Connor McDavid yeah. and Austin Matthews, then there's yeah. somewhat of a guarantee. But when you talk about prospects in baseball, it's like these guys are kids, and they're still like far ways away yeah. from. Even when talking about Vlad, like I still have to stop and remind myself that he's still a kid, right? Like he's still, like he could wake up tomorrow and be completely different. I'm not saying that he will, but he's You're still a knock like, on some wood right now. Like, like he's still a kid. Like it's it, and it's hard to project these guys the way that we love to project people. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they have, you know, like, you take a look at, you know, like, you know, like a bunch of top prospects. And I'm sure that, you know, like a guy like, you know, sorry, and I'm sure a, a guy, um, a guy like a Keegan Matheson, you know, like a prospects uh, guru would tell you that all these guys actually making it to the league is a huge win, right? Like, yep. you don't expect like all these guys. He was to, exactly like that. That's yeah. what exactly what he said. So, yeah, it's a good good way to... Keep uh, if anyone's down the dumps about what the Blue Jays' chances are. There's optimism there. Let's talk about now the Leafs because wait, what are the Leafs again? <laughs> Do you mean the leaves? The leaves? It's February. It's not yeah. leaves season yet. Um. Okay, you were wearing an Austin Matthews jersey. 
you pointed that out before earlier. Uh, the reason why I bring that up is because he has not been the center point of this Leafs latest barrage <laughs> the last hell, three right? games. Well, that's two. Okay, sorry. Two of the three games. They played Ottawa and absolutely manhandled. I mean, they didn't manhandle because Ottawa tried to stage a comeback. But no, they, no, but Ottawa wasn't in that game. They was, yeah, they weren't in that game. The Leafs took it to them. Then the Tampa Bay Lightning and Mitch Marner had the five-point night. Then <laughs> see this is this is how this is how I'm gonna point out how deep the Leafs are. Their first overall pick, Austin Matthews, the the guy that other Canadian fan bases hate because he's always being talked about, had a three point night and people didn't want to talk about that. He had a nice shot, the nice goal I think against was, the Sens. That was yeah. a wicked goal because he barely missed the post and he got it back. Nylander went for a skate with the puck, drew Stone, I don't know what Stone was doing, and then Matthews just, like, walks in again. And I was like, he's not missing this. He's not missing it. Matthews just like, Willie, let's try this one again. And then he changes the angle, and, like, he doesn't just do that. He can put it roof in, like, a second. He does. He has that move where he toe drags and puts it between the defender's legs. I don't even think it's a toe drag. It's just him just, just like, like moving. Yeah, It's it's talking it back. Just, like, like, and, and people always talk about People always talk about it, but like he has a good shot, but then like he just like messes with you. Yeah. But yeah, like he had that three point night against the Lightning. People don't really talk about that. Well, know? it was and because set up, the, that was a Nylander yeah. show. Nylander was uh, on another level. And then level. Marner and Kadri took over on on, on, on Wednesday against Columbus, right? So it's like. But what are people talking about? Sashnikov? They're, they're talking about. <laughs> okay, Sashnikov and with the Columbus game. Marner. No, it's the 50 shots they let up. Oh, yeah, come on. But did they win that game, though? Apparently, uh, a win is not really a win when you get outshot the balls, which, I mean, yes, that's If a that problem. happens, like, every single game, of course, that's reason for panic, but... The Leafs don't give up 50 shots often. But... They let 40. Anderson has been good, and this team can actually gun again. This team can yeah. fly. This team... Like, Tampa Bay, they... Of they course, had a hard they, time skating they blew with the, the lead because they allowed those two goals in like the twenty seconds. Yeah, but like they're flying against teams. You know, Nylander made Vasilevsky look dumb on that a breakaway. Like he just shot at blocker side and right. And then you look at Marner, Kadri, Marlow. A month ago, when it was Komarov, Kadri, and Marlow, that line looked dead. The team couldn't win in, you know, regulation. The team couldn't do anything because they were just, they, like, they looked jaded. And now it's like, all right, so that line looks elite. So now you have to worry about Kadri and then <laughs> Mitch Marner setting everyone up. You're fucking shut down defenseman on pace for another 30-goal season, mm-hmm. right? So it's like, this isn't 2013 where it's like you have James Reimer back there. No offense to him, but he was scrambly at best, and and that well, like he also didn't have the best defensive. No, yeah, but you know, in front of him either. But yeah, no, he's, he's not. Anderson is more. He's he he's a calming defenseman. I mean, um, a goalie, goalie, right? And and there's nothing wrong with a James Reimer. Like if James Reimer won the cup this year, it'd be like that's oh, fuck it, never mind. He's in Florida. Um, <laughs> but you know. You can win with that style of goaltending, but the Leafs can't win with that. Like if you're being outshot no. to hell and and you're a scrambly goalie, it's like 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 they will bury you, right? With the Leafs, you have Anderson back there who's been just lights out since November, and this team can score with the best of them. 
Yeah. Top two lines are good. You know, Komarov on the fourth line is, you know, all right. And then a JVR, Bozak, and Connor Brown. Connor Brown, right? Like, they're, they're, like, they're not going to beat anyone, but they, they're good, right? Like, as, th- as a third best line, good. yeah, as a third best line, that's great, right? Yeah. But those first two lines are just, you know. They're carrying the team. Hell, everyone looked lost when it was Kadri, or Komarov, Kadri, and Marlowe. Like, it was like, Kadri's not putting up points. Komarov looks like he's playing with his stick pointed the wrong way. You know, and Marlowe was like, is he playing half the time? And then now it's like, all of them are just flying and buzzing. And then, you know, you see Marner with confidence. That pass that he made to Kadri was cr- – I didn't even think he was going to pass that. And that goal he scored too. From Hell, the- when Marner had the two goals uh, against Tampa – no, was it Tampa? No, Ottawa. Ottawa. And he's walking in on the goalie with two goals. I was like, he's going to shoot this. He finds Kadri f- like for the tap-in, right? Again, like these guys know where – and if that's a first line, I'm fine with that, but that's the second best line. Yeah. And then you have the the Matthews chemistry with – with Nylander, and then you have Zach Hyman, who I will always defend because he will retrieve every single puck, right? Like, he'll turn a dump in from, like, you know, harmless change of possession to, you know, you know like I'm going to harass you until Matthews and Nylander come, right? That's what he does well on that line. You know, like, he's not like a Komarov that will carry the guys down, but then it's like Hyman will just do his thing, Right. Um, when Matthews scored on Saturday, you know, uh, Nylander went for a skate. He got the puck. He passed it back to Matthews. And where's Zach Hyman? He's in front of the net, like, causing havoc. Um, Cody Cece doesn't know what to do with him. Dion Phaneuf is just there watching, right? That's the type of thing that a Zach Hyman does. And that's why, like, I'll always, you know, want him in that top nine. I don't mind him on that first line because he's surrounded by elite athletes, right? Yeah. And then, you know what? Okay, so the the Lightning game was, was a tough one because I felt like they got shelled in the last couple of minutes, but that's what happens when you're trying to defend a lead. But one, one thing I'm a little concerned about, I mean, I, I'm, I'm the offense has been lights out. Anderson's been lights out. I'm worried about the right side of the defense, not just because of Roman Polak, and it was brought up, um, I, I listened to another podcast uh, that some former guys that used to do this podcast do, the Breaking Ballard podcast. And Chris, his name is Chris O'Krantz, brought up that Zaitsev and Hainsey have not really looked themselves. I mean, Zaitsev himself hasn't looked great all season. Um, he's had a few moments of like, all right, cool. But for the most part, I, I, don't, I don't really know how he's done on the PK um, analytics wise, but that, that was something I meant to bring up. But um, I mean, like, I don't mind him on the PK, uh, but him at you know, he, he hasn't been that great this year. He's not, he's not the same player he was last year. I don't know if it's, I mean, yeah, he had that, that foot injury, and that's uh, no, it's gonna take time for a player to come back from that. But there, this is not the Nikita Zaitsev that the Leafs expected. And Babcock... It's not the the Zaitsev uh, that they signed to a seven-year deal. I mean, look, it's second the second year. Sometimes, you know, the sophomore slump kicks in. He's also... This is the first season he's playing with Jake Garner the entire season. Yeah. Like, 
he played with Riley for half the season last year. So I, I was wondering if, you know, maybe and, – and Hainsey hasn't looked himself either because he's he had a couple of really weird plays with uh, – uh, and the Tampa goals uh, against Tampa was that the one where he like he tried fell to and then well he tried Dermot to bat- was trying to chase down which one was that the, there was one where he tried to bat the puck down out of the air and it got picked up and it ended up in the back of the net but I I feel like um and there was something that Felino had uh, had Nick Felino brought up is that he said the Leafs defense looked tired. This is something I, I listened to on the Steve Dangle podcast. Is that Felino said the Leafs D looked tired, and I think Travis German also says something about fatigue playing into one of the turnovers that he had. Hainsey has played a lot of minutes on the penalty kill that wears you down. If they get a trade deadline pickup, I don't want it to be something flashy. Like I feel like the Leafs should be fine with what they have, given where they are in their quote unquote rebuild, which I still think is a rebuild. They need that guy to play on the PK. That that guy that they think that Roman Polak is. Well, because Roman Polak hasn't been doing much, right? If you can, I I don't even like the term shutdown defenseman anymore. But they need someone for that PK because if Hainsey goes down for like an an extended period of time, they're fucked, right? They they're not in a good spot. But I feel like. Defense wise, like other than that, it's like you have a guy like Dermot just stepping into the spotlight, and if they're all healthy, right, you know the Leafs could do some damage, but they just need that one guy to like alleviate the pressure on um on uh, on poor Ron Hainsey. Yeah. Okay. So uh, Fenwick is usually my favorite uh, stat to bring up if you're bringing up possession stats because that counts. You know, all mo- unblocked chances because Corsi just takes all chances. Um, the only players that are above 50%, I mean, Connor Carrick is at 49.64. That's pretty close to 50. But Dermot, Riley, and then Callie Rose and Justin Hall have been playing long enough to really justify yeah. their higher standings. But you, you notice those three defensemen have a, have a particular trait. And it's that puck they, they're puck moving, mobile. Position wise, they're a little bit better. This goes back to something I said about Kapanen a few weeks ago, um, and I'm sure that there are a lot of people that have said this about Kapanen. But we're past the age of like the shutdown type of player, right? Well, the big heavy, right? And like that's why like I, I like I walked back on, you know, a shutdown for the PK, but just someone that can control the puck, right? You don't like. Not necessarily, not necessarily like you know a guy that will. Sorry, not necessarily um, a type of guy that's like a pure offensive defenseman, but someone that can, someone that's good with the puck, you know, instead of someone that just waits back and tries to block shots and like screens their own goalie and you know, the type of person that like you know what Polak is, right? Just watching him um, on the ice to defend that one goal lead against Tampa just. Just gave me because he he's slow and he doesn't know where to be most times, and that's that's the main problem with, with Polak. And then 
well, like you see a guy like uh, Riley who's playing the best hockey of his career, and it's like he does everything well because he knows exactly where to be. He can control the puck. He knows where to do this, do this, do this. Um, there was a goal. Um, I don't remember which game it was. Maybe it was Columbus, and it started with Dermot behind his own net, and there were two four checkers on each side of the net, and all Dermot did was he chipped it up. Not even high, like a saucer pass up the middle. It either went to Kadri or Marner who passed it to Kadri or Marner. No, it was the Marner goal. Okay. So he passed it up to Kadri. It was like, you know, people don't talk about that. I know that they highlighted it after the goal, but people won't talk about that after. And it's like, I don't want a defensive defenseman that just makes, you know, the tough play. I want the guy that makes a smart play. So hammering the puck around the boards only to get stopped at the blue line. Yeah, just don't be like play. Luke Shen, right? Because Luke Shen was supposed to be the <laughs> shutdown guy who gonna, loved to look up the boards. And I was, was like, what say, are you doing? I was going to say that's what Roman Polak does, right? No, now. Roman Polak doesn't even get the fucking... They don't give it. They don't give him the puck. No, they... Well, on. There have been so many instances in games yeah, they where, don't give him where the it's puck. like, you know, like a, a guy like Marner is like curling back up to like the blue line, and then he sees Polak open, like like waiting. He's like, nah, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> then he, Like everyone... Watch a shift with Roman Polak that maybe doesn't involve Dermot because maybe he's like he's still a bit too new. Watch how many times they look off Roman Polak, right? He doesn't get and I'm not saying again, I'm not saying that Travis Dermot is a shutdown defenseman. I'm just yeah. trying to say that, you know, like that's the type of guy that we need just to make the smart play. He's been dragged down by Polak as well. He said something after the game, like saying, So a reporter asked him how safe does he feel playing with Roman Polak. And I was like, that's just a funny way to word it. And then Dermot was basically like, I feel comfortable having him beside me. Do you mean on the bench? Like, as like a bodyguard? Or do you mean on the ice? Just as a guy that, you know, you're trying to keep the other team from scoring, right? It's, and I mean, again, I don't know more than... Babcock does. You see what they did with Matt Martin, who <clears throat> they're, they're, obviously has more. Sorry, who obviously has a bigger effect on the team than Roman Polak does. Uh, I would argue that Martin, because of the limited time he's playing, yeah, that had an effect. No, but... no, no. Like, I, look, I mean, like a total effect okay. on like everyone, just on the oh, ice, okay. off the ice. You know, because Polak doesn't make that much of like. Um, an influence on the ice. I don't know what kind of you know presence he has off the I ice. Don't think it's but I know all the guys are close with Matt Martin, right? And they still put him in the press box. So, I the I was gonna bring that up is that the moment that Mike Babcock said to Matt Martin, "It's you're not cutting out for it." That was the moment that he finally said, um, "It's not gonna be," you know contract status veteran status it's going to be yeah. purely performance and that that makes Babcock that what it looks like to me is that it's integ not integrity but it's it's accountability accountability thank you well I mean then you see who replaced Martin a guy that you know I will call Kapanen the roadrunner because when he has the puck he takes off did I did I help you pick that one out when I mentioned the Toronto Roadrunners earlier? No, no, no. Like I like just a happy coincidence. When he scored that a shorthanded goal, I was like, like this is a roadrunner, right? Like he gets the puck, he just flies. Um, there was um, I don't remember which game it was, but 
it was the most effortless breakaway I've ever seen. Not quite, you know, the speed of Connor McDavid, but just the way that he he, well, he takes the puck and glides, right? Well, not only that, it's that he's he's like up he's like he's away. You look behind he looks behind him and he's like there's nobody. I else wanna here. see that guy get some three on three time with Nylander. Oh, uh, that would never happen because, you know. That would never happen because Nylander needs a guy like Matthews around him. I, I don't think he needs him. I think it's just that they work so well together. It's like, why would you? Yeah. I mean, the, the but, my, you know, him yeah. on a three-on-three line with anybody, just, oh, fuck it, Roman Polak. Because you could put Polak in front of the net. You just have a turnover in you the know, defensive the, zone, know, and know, he's gone. You know, I was about to say, you know, <laughs> Polak's job should just be to stand in front of Anderson there. And what I love about three on three is that it's so chaotic. Like when the Leafs got scored on by, I don't remember who it was, but people kept on like breaking down the defensive play in three on three. Why do you think they implemented three on three? Because no one knows how to fucking play defense. That's why games end so fast. Well, like some teams have figured it out. No, like, like watch, away. watch just any three on three video on Twitter, okay. Facebook, and don't read the caption, right? And this is what I find myself doing, right? If you don't read the caption, you guess who's going to score. There's no, there's no way anyone knows because a team could have the puck hit the offensive zone. And like you could be like, this is this is just like, I, I, this is who's scoring right now. And then they turn it up into like a three on all the other way, right? I, I, I see. And that's saying. why, because nobody knows what to do on a three on, right? Like you could be the smartest player in the league. And still just not know when, you know, like a, a guy like McDavid just turns on the burners, right? He's Point, probably the best player through all three. Yeah, well, because he's fast and he's, like, uh, skilled, right? And that's why, like, if you make a mistake anywhere on the ice... You're screwed. Like, it could be game over, right? And, and that's what I want to see with, with, with Kapanen because, you know, if he gets the puck anywhere, like, hell, the goal line. Say there are two, like, offensive players on the goal line and the puck is in the crease and Kapanen just... You know, it goes and gets it. He's he's still gone, even though he's facing the wrong way, right? Mm-hmm. And that's why I think everyone loves three on three so much because it's not you know like a defensive spectacle. It's you know the games that go to you know shootouts after three on three is rarely like a boring uh, game, right? Because it's blown coverage. It's two on ones. It's you know, the best defensive plays that you see in the three-on-three three are on those, like, um, those two-and-three-on-ones, right? Mm-hmm. And that's why, like, I can't wait to see Kapanen, you know, play on the three-on-three three and, like, have, like, a fast guy beside him just to watch them, like, fly up the ice. Exactly. Um, okay, we're going to kind of go into a bit of trade stuff. So Sasha I feel like was- they should trade everyone. Yeah? Just trade. I want to see some trades. Let's go. Okay, so Nikita Sashnikov finally gets dealt, and people are just like... Crazy? Yeah, I know. That's it? I know. This this is why I found hilarious. There was... Uh, I think it was Dark Guy. I, I always forget his actual name. I, <laughs> Starting any statement with... I think it was Dark Guy. I'm, no, I know it was Dark Guy. I just I can't remember his for his actual uh, his actual name. Uh, is it Mason? No. Um... No, I, I I'm not even gonna try to attempt because that's just not not fair to him. But he he brought up that you see what he did what he did with the Marlies and that's all the Leafs could get. 
Jason. Okay, yes. There we go. Um, What's up, Jason? It's a, it's a, the last name is the one that always gets me. Gets, gets yeah, Matt. Yeah, I don't know how to pronounce it. But actually, do you have his tweet, his Twitter in front of you at all? Or I can look it up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring up his tweet because I think he perfectly sums up the issue that I have with with the with the trade and based in the the reaction for the trade, I'll, I'll say that. Uh, let's see. Um, I've on the positivity kick, trying to encourage people not to bash players on the Leafs, coaching or management. Oh, here we go. I got. Oh, it. you seriously gonna try to tell me that the best we can get for Sashnikov yeah. or Levo is a fourth round? My problem is that okay, and then he and then he brings this up. Okay, folks, don't get me wrong. I'm happy for Sash, and no move had to be made. My problem is that with the asset management here, surely we could have packaged Sash with Levo. So that's two wingers that don't play, have not played. See, there you go. And a draft pick for something that can help now instead of just a fourth straight up. That is all. Maybe. Maybe if they're both tearing it up in junior as like or high. The Marlies. Right? Like as like high picks. But Sashnikov and Levo haven't played a full season's games worth in like three years. They have never I don't think any of them have ever played a full season. And people want to talk about, you know, asset management. It's like what like what else would you want do, for do, that? Do you want do you want me to explain asset management for how it does not apply for Sashnikov? Do you know how the Leafs got Sashnikov in the a, first place? A free agent signing. Yeah. There was no asset, there was no investment made other than the contract and the contract yeah. space. So this is a guy who his career high. I I I think he can be a top six player in the league, maybe right. That's but at like the same time, asking a lot. Yeah, maybe. Maybe, but Huge maybe even if he does, it's like the Leafs still don't lose that trade because, wh- like, what kind of value do we expect to get from him, right? Like, this is this is the my value. Argument. I, it's pretty good to get a fourth, right, for someone that's not proven, for someone that hasn't played. This is my argument. The most he ever played was 56 games uh, last season. How many points did he have? I know he didn't play a, a lot of minutes, didn't play a lot of offensive situations. He had nine points. You're going to tell me that you expect a team to just fork out anything higher than a fourth-round pick for that? Okay, yeah, he had 17 points in 19 games with the Marlies this past season. That's AHL numbers. And that's his that was his that would have been his third AHL season. He's also twenty four too, right? So yeah. like it's not like it's like a twenty one year old or twenty year old like just flying onto the scene. And the other thing too is that look, a fourth round pick now for the Leafs can be something that's pretty valuable. It's a great trade for the Blues because Oh, it's a great trade for maybe the Blues too. You know, the fourth-round pick might not even turn out to be anything like a Sashnikov, but it's a low-risk guy that, that you know, if you have a spot on your roster for him, you know, like a, like a speedy type of winger with a, a, a bruising, th- you know, bottom bottom six yeah. guy. It's, it's a great, it's, it's the perfect addition. But then it's like the Leafs pretty much have their line set, right? Uh, top nine, you aren't really taking anyone off, right? No. Um, and even if we did take someone off, like say a guy gets, I'm not going to say names, but say someone gets hurt again, exactly like I said last week, you know, you have the depth, 
Because yeah. there are still guys that want jobs, that will be challenging for jobs. Komarov and Bozak might not get re-signed. There are still bodies that will be there, right? You know, mm-hmm. Levo and Martin probably won't be a part of the team's plans going forward. There are still people that are waiting to come in, right? So it's like, do you want to give this guy the Frankie Corrado treatment where it's like he's in the press box all the time? They did. The Leafs did him the big Zashnikov, the thing that Levo probably wanted. Yeah, just free him, right? Just, yep. just give him a chance to shine somewhere. Uh, you brought up a great point. And remember, we talked about this with the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays had to make a tough call on Syndergaard, but they knew they had Sanchez. The Leafs, this is probably the easiest decision they can make because, yeah, Soshnikov could turn into something, but they got... But it's it's so much worse than just saying it's like Sanchez. See, like that's like saying, you know, that there's only room for four starting pitchers, right? And Sanchez has one, and the other three are guys that have contributed and yeah. will contribute, right? There's just no room for them at all. At, like, at all. There's none. You you look at the Leafs' wing spot, okay? I look at I look at their... Okay, I'm going to actually pull up the, the entire Leafs. Give me one second here because I, I feel like this will help me make my argument that I want to make because when, when I think about that... Uh, with what with what uh, Sashnikov has been dealing with, okay, this is not like what the Leafs did. How many years ago would this have been when they traded Steen and Kolyakovo for that was, Stepniak? That was like Cliff Fletcher's like last like whoops. <laughs> whoops! It's like you know what? I'm on the way out. Let's just let's just get weird, guys. He's like he starts calling like every GM at like three o'clock in the morning. Uh, let me bring up the farm system because I, I don't want to miss a guy. I don't want to be, I don't want to be that guy that misses someone. And this is proving to be a lot more difficult than it should be. Um, there we go. This Mac uh, keyboard is actually not the best right now. All right, so we already know the wing. I, I'm just going to bring up the wingers on the Leafs right now on the roster. Hyman, because I'm just going to go by order of the lines. Hyman, Nylander, Ka- oh, sorry, Marner, Marlowe. JVR, Brown, Komarov, Kapanen, Martin, Levo. You're telling me Soshnikov? Only The only person that I would replace out of that list is Martin or Levo. And it's like, all right, so do you just want to ride around with the team in the press box? Exactly. All right, let's now look one, one level down with the Marlies. Jeremy Bracco. Martin Zirkles is, has been a fringe AHL player. Carl Grundstrom is still in Sweden. Andres Janssen has been a dynamite. Star. He's been a star. The yeah. star for the Marlies who deserves, who would be, like, at the least had another injury. Call him up. He's getting put well, over no, Josh if, Levo. If, if they have a fourth-line guy go down, I think that they would put a Levo in. But if they had, you know, like, you know, um, Zach Hyman, right? Mm-hmm. Then they would try to, um, you know, shape the lines and then bring him up, right? Yeah. Uh, like Dimitro Timashov. I mean, Kirby Reichel's his his role with the team is pretty much. No, I don't. I don't know what his role is anymore. Trevor Moore, um, Mason Marchment's not on the list, and I'm not sure why. Uh, but like, I look at a guy. One guy I look at. Okay, Jeremy Bracco. He's 20 years old. I mean. 
he was not a, a first or second round pick, so it's going to – or wait, second round pick, I think. Late second, early third round pick. He's a guy where I, I get I look and I say, where does he where does he fit in? I mean, yeah, he could probably play his off wing. He's a right winger. Maybe he's okay to play his offside. But again, the Leafs wing situation. This is why I looked at their last few drafts and I'm like, why are they drafting so many wingers? Wingers are hard to get value with. I mean, Sashnikov didn't have much value to begin with, but you, I, I feel like now the Leafs need to start going after defensemen and centers. Like, uh, see, like that's where I mean. I feel like in a sport like hockey, you can't ever draft for need because. No, but, I mean, when you're looking at the like the third round, yeah, and you have a choice between a couple of guys, and maybe the best okay, available yeah, is a yeah, winger, okay, cool. and you could have drafted a center. I would probably take the center. Like in the when you're doing the first and second round, like look, Lilligren was probably the best. Actually, there was an argument to be made. I think there's still an argument to be made that a guy like Ely Tolvanen, who is, if you watched the Olympics the other day with Finland, had four points and was a beast. And he was he was a 29th overall pick. And he looks like a guy that should have gone top 15. Yeah. I mean, the Leafs had a chance to pick him, but they decided Lilligren was the better pick. And maybe that's a case where defense kind of ruled that. No, but then again, you know, like there were people that had – you know, so sorry. Uh, so going back to September 2016, like there were people that had um, Timothy, sorry Timothy Lilligren, you know, going top five. So I feel like that's why they took him, partly because like there was so much value there that that was like he shouldn't be here at 17. Yeah. So that's that's the the main argument with the whole Sasha Coffee. The Leafs just have. So many wingers and so much depth there that, A, he had a hard time going past, especially at his age, 24, and you have injury problems, staying hard time staying healthy. It doesn't bode well to try to be, keep a full-time job in the NHL. And the other thing is is that the Leafs should not even be worried about what they get for a guy like Sashnikov because you're, you're – You aren't taking from your roster your – you're hurting the Marlies, who are still a top. And he team wouldn't even be able to play for the Marlies unless yeah. he went on waivers, which then you lose him for nothing. Yeah. So that was the the only options the Leafs had were lose him for nothing, trade him for a fourth rounder. Now, the now to bring up the argument of trying to package a pick, Levo and Sashnikov, and try to improve the team. Now, you get a third, maybe maybe a third. You would get a fringe. Defenseman that wouldn't even help this team. You would have a guy that would want to be off the Marlies. That draft pick better be great because teams are not going to see Sashnikov and Levo as the as the pieces that they want in a trade, especially for a rental player. Yeah. You you tell me if you go to the okay. I'm going to bring up if I'm thinking of rental players. uh, Okay, you go you go to the (laughs) fine. We'll use Rick Nash. (laughs) Hi, New York. This is our offer for Rick Nash. All right, we're listening. Nikita Sashnikov. All right, all right, go on. Uh, okay, he's fine. It's about to get good. All right, let's go. Uh, Josh Levo. Okay, come on. Who right. else? Lay it on and me. And then uh, let's do a third-round pick. I'm sorry, did you say and a third-round pick or a third-round pick, comma? 
Is there more? <laughs> what else? Later on, me, I'm ready. Like, okay, yeah. Rick Nash is probably would want they want to fetch a first round I, pick. I, I would hang up on them just as soon like as soon as you try that because, hey, uh, so you, so you're selling your Mercedes. Uh, I'll give you my Camry, plus my TV. Your tube TV that yeah. <laughs> that weighs like it's a like a TV pounds. that like I have no need for. You know, <laughs> trying to get it out of the house. What do you say? Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring up one last thing. Yeah, like unless you package a second round pick, which I think can be even val- more valuable than a first round pick, and in some cases, teams teams are gonna hang up the phone on you. You want to know something about fourth round picks? They're actually not bad. I was looking up guys who were drafted in the fourth round the last couple of last couple of seasons. Like this year's the 2017 draft. Like I don't know what you're, how much you can expect. I mean, you watch the World Juniors, right? Uh, Drake Batherson played for Team Canada. He was a fourth round pick. Yeah, he could turn into a contributor in the NHL. I mean, like it's, they traded a guy that didn't have plans. Sorry, they traded a guy that wasn't in the plans for a lottery ticket. Yeah. Okay. Who was the least draft pick, the uh, fourth round pick last year, not 2017, but 2016? Adam Brooks. Who, if you're thinking of a guy mm-hmm. that's going to contribute more towards, Adam Brooks is also a little bit older when he got drafted, so his timeline's a little, sh- is shrunk a little bit, I think. But look, the Habs selected Victor Mete in the fourth round, and he made the NHL the following season. He played one year in juniors and made the NHL. Uh, there are guys. Uh, I'm just looking here. Like the Leafs had picked Jesper Lindgren, but there's he's a you know a longer term project because he's in the uh, Swedish league. Their fourth round pick in 2014 was okay. Uh, JJ Pickenich, who's an AHL guy, but you know who Nashville picked in their fourth round? Victor Arvidsson. Yeah. See, it's like. You can you can hit those picks. I mean, if you scout well, Danton Heinen, who is a, I think their third line center in Boston, was picked in the fourth round. So I, I hate this idea that oh, it's just a fourth round pick, maybe sixth, seventh pick round picks. You can make that argument. Fourth yeah. round picks have some value. So I think people need to be realistic on. What so there's a guy on. Is a third line that was taken in round six, 2012. You want to know, okay, uh, 2000 and what was it, 11? Whatever year Tyler Biggs was picked. Um, oh, no, that wasn't the year. Sorry. Um, You're talking about Connor Brown? Nope. I mean, Connor Brown was picked in Yeah, the- so Connor Brown went in the sixth round in 2012, and Garrett Sparks, who's now a wall in the AHL. The AHL was taken in round seven in 2011. Okay, 2014, this was the year. Um, Andre Kesse, he plays for Anaheim. The Leafs traded a... Oh, Kasher, yeah. Traded that seventh-round pick to Anaheim. This guy has 30 points in 43 games. Yeah. So... Don't tell me late round picks don't mean anything. If you scout and you draft, maybe you reach on a guy, it will pay off. And they're not all gonna yeah. turn pay off. I mean, like it's not like you know, 
they need this to pay off or else, you know, they lost the trade big time. It's No. You got a lottery ticket for a guy that you aren't going to use. And you have – you were at the – and if you wanted to make a move at the, at the deadline, guess what? You're at the 50 contract limit. Now you're not as hard-pressed to trade away a prospect or yeah. something just to make the contract work. Um, that's also why people didn't like the Roman Polak signing later in the season because they could have – It's so funny. Not <laughs> have you that talk about draft there. picks – I think I said this last week too, but oh yeah, <laughs> they're picking in the second round because they traded Polak and who was it Reimer? Uh, yeah, to the Sharks, and I believe that they took back Rafi Torres and yes. um, what's his name, the goalie? Oh, uh, he, well, the guy who shut us out against uh, Minnesota. Uh, why am I blanking on his name right now? Fred. Um, oh my God. Oh, no, was, that wasn't the Reimer trade. It was no. traded from the Toronto Maple Leafs with Nick Spalling for Rafi Torres and the second-round pick in 2017. No, with two. So it was Polak for Torres, you know, that uh, dead money. Alex Stalock was the goal. Yes, for two second-rounders. And one of the second-rounders was traded for who? Uh, in Okay, wait. So the Reimer trade was a couple years ago. Yes. So they got back two seconds. That, that was in 2016. Um, one, oh, one of the second round picks. They traded one of the second. Oh, yeah. Brian Boyle, wasn't it? No. No, sorry. Phil Kessel turned into Casper Kapanen. Oh, yes. And Frederick oh. Anderson. What a, what a deal that was, right? Yeah. Because the first round pick that they got from Pittsburgh was traded to Anaheim. And the second yeah. round pick that they got from San the Jose. Sharks went to Anaheim. That's right. And people are mad because of Sam Steele. I don't give a shit about Sam Steele because the Leafs are good. Not like an elite team, but they're really good. And Anderson is a huge you, Would you rather have right now Sam Steele in your prospect system or no, Frederick actually, Anderson I, in that? I actually love prospects, so I don't care about Anderson. Just... No, see, it's, you have to give up something yeah, to get exactly. something. And, and the first round pick was thirtieth overall. Okay, yeah, that was, um, yeah, that was, yeah, because Pittsburgh won the cup. So basically, you eat some of the Castle money, but you get Kapanen and Frederick Anderson, which is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I wanted to bring up. Okay, so that trade that okay. So the Blues traded Roman Leafs traded Carl Gunnarsson. Okay, here this is the trade. So Leafs traded Carl Gunnarsson the ninety fourth pick. Um, in what draft was that? That would have been the twenty fourteen draft. Let me let me look this up because the the one thing you have to look at here is that teams can make picks work. The Leafs have made some dumb decisions on. Uh, on picks, no doubt about it. Other teams have done that too. Wait, uh, so you're telling me that Tyler Biggs wasn't a good pick? Oh, Tyler Biggs was dynamite. I like that was just. I don't know what happened. It was all a blur. Okay, so the Blues uh, from Calgary via Toronto. Okay, I think that pick that the Leafs traded was originally Calgary's pick. Yes. Toronto previously acquired the pick. Okay. Do you want to know where Toronto got that pick from? 
Where? From Calgary in uh, 2000. This would have been, they would have gone in like 2012, I think. Uh, let's see. Yeah, the Leafs would have gone the pick and, yeah, the, the pick up was in <laughs> Oh, I see. I see that. I see. I see where this is going. You remember Joe Colbert? Are, see, that's, that's why people, you know, well, because you don't know. I feel like we've we've spent way too much time talking. about oh, we have a fourth round pick. I exactly. mean, people are going. It's like, this is this is, but this is the issue now with with trades. It's that those those little pieces get get yeah, little, of course, get way too much. All right, let let's talk about the trade deadline. Uh, we we said last week the Leafs sh- should not be buyers. Craig Cutson's actually put out. Uh, I don't know if you read the Athletic. Um, put out a great uh, piece, not for the rental market for this year, but the rental plus, I call it the rental plus market because you get them for this year and next season. So if you were, I'm going to pull up this article because it's easy to pull it up on my phone because I'd have to log on to the computer for the, get past the paywall. Um, Okay, so uh, here we go. So, Cousins called this article the top non-rental players to target at the NHL trade deadline. I think if you're a team, and after reading this article, if you're a team that has a guy that you don't think you're going to be bringing back after next season, considering how bad the trade de- trade market is now, try to capitalize. So, th- these are the guys that made the list. Eric Carlson. Of course. I don't see Eric Carlson being traded this season, as well as Oliver Ekman Larson. He's not being traded. Ryan McDonough is a name that's interesting. If he was a right-handed shot defenseman, I would say sign me up. Because this contract next season is great, and he's actually not a bad defenseman. He would he would fit with what the Leafs need. But he's a left-handed shot, so the Leafs would have to figure that out if they were to try. Max Pacioretty. If I'm a team and you're looking at a guy like Rick Nash, Evander Kane, but then Max Pacioretty's thrown on board? Yeah. I, that would and I mean, like, it's not like they need him now, right? No. Mike Kaufman would be an, another good option because if, I mean, he's made the Leafs look silly at times. Yeah, he, he's very underrated. Like, he's. I don't even know why Ottawa want to trade him. A guy like Stone and Hoffman, sorry, guys like Stone and Hoffman don't get, they really don't get the credit that they deserve because it's bad in, um, in Ottawa right now, it'd be so much worse. Like if they didn't have a guy like you know uh, Stoner Hoffman there. Yeah, Justin Falk. Okay, I can see that kind of. The issue is, remember the initial rumor that people thought, oh, Carolina would want a guy like Mitch Marner for Justin Falk. <laughs> yeah, that's not happening. Every, everyone wants a guy like Mitch Marner, anyways, right? Exactly. Uh, Falk is more of an offensive guy. I'm not sure if he's what. The calming presence on the blue line, believes me, but he's not a bad choice. Derek Broussard. This guy was interesting because he would be he was slided nicely in the third line center role for next season. Yeah, his cap hits a little high at five million for a guy that would probably be the third line center on the Leafs. But if the Penguins get him, watch out. <laughs> uh, Jean Gabriel Pajot. So, so I got to go with the French there. No, so like it's just like all the Senators then, right? Well, okay, but the Senators are the team that need to kind of retool on the fly because they gave up a first-round pick for Matt Duchesne. I don't Matt think Duchesne. they need to retool. I think they just need to tr- – like 
I feel like if they try to retool, they can't rebuild because then your your chances of giving up a first overall pick are very high. Where they are right now, I feel like, you know, they're like the ship has already sailed there, right? Okay. All right, here's a non uh, a non Ottawa center Gustav Nyquist, another winger the Leafs still need Brock Nelson. Eh, I I think that doesn't doesn't really work at, work out to what the Leafs need. Because he's a streaky scorer. Yeah, he's a center, but the Leafs, I would rather just have Bozak. Just because I don't think Brock Nelson's what they got. Matt Zuccarello, another winger. He He's a guy that's kind of underwhelmed this season. Um, John Gillies from the Flames. Goaltender. Leafs don't need a goalie because Fred Harrison. Jimmy Howard. Yeah, let's again. trade for a guy like Howard and just piss off everyone in the organization. Exactly. Uh, Max Domi. Again, another winger. Okay, wait. Let's just, let's just let's just talk about Max Domi for a second. Oh, this is okay. Go ahead. Do you remember when the Leafs won the lottery and Toronto talk shows were a buzz? <laughs> well, you know, uh, Austin Matthews is from Phoenix and Max Domi's from Toronto, so maybe you should just like trade each other for no wait. The first, trade down to try to yeah, get just Max Domi. no, no, no. They wanted the the Phoenix pick plus Max Domi for Austin Matthews. Who did? They, who did Phoenix end end up taking? What what year was this? Twenty sixteen. Oh, with the Matthews draft. Yeah, it was uh, Dylan. Sorry, no, 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 not Dylan Strom. Strom uh, was twenty fifteen. Twenty fifteen. Uh, uh, Keller, who's pretty good. He was good, but he's but not. But do you want to trade down just because for two wingers? And it's like that was the dumbest thing. Like, it was like, like you guys haven't seen Austin Matthews play. I haven't either. But you want to trade someone just so they could be home? Why would you do that? Like. It's, it was, and a then Toronto. Austin Matthews now is trying to sell people, you know, like on Toronto at the All Star break, right? So that's another reason why you just yeah, shake your oh head. Oh my god. Okay, here's another name, Danny DeKaiser. No uh, again, I, I'm not sure what DeKaiser would bring. Like, they're they they guys that would attract other teams. Like, this is a way better list than what this year's trade rental market looks like. So I can see where the argument can be made that, I mean, the Leafs are not going to be moving guys. I don't think any of those free agents are going anywhere unless you can get an upgrade on Tyler Bozak and you tell a team just take Tyler Bozak off our hands yeah. because he's he's slowing down. He's not the same player he used to be. Um, I just, Connor Brown has looked invisible. James Van Riensdyk has been – he's done what he's needed to do. Yeah, like he's – He's had a pretty good season. offensive season. Yeah, but that th- imagine if that third line, okay, Connor Brown would be a part of it, but if it had more of a, I mean, I'm not expecting a lot from the third line, but more of a defensive presence with some scoring ability. Yeah, I mean, so that you can roll out them more. I think that that should be the focus for next season is to solidify that third line uh, up front. The centers are going to be tough to find. That's the only issue. Um, but yeah, those are the. I, and I wrote an I wrote an article earlier this week about the um, what the Leafs' biggest need would be at the deadline, and I I still argue that it's a center because I, from what I see from the defense, the Leafs should I think consider Justin Hall again because I think his style of play works better with the Leafs forward group and he's more mobile and he's not a guy that's just going to ring the puck up the boards 
He makes the smarter plays, but Babcock doesn't trust young players. Give him time in, yeah. in the minors, but Justin Hall has done his, has paid his dues, and he looked. I mean, look, it's not even the offense I'm looking at that he had. It's season. such a low bar to clear. Yeah, like just to be better than Polak and. You know, you just want. I mean, look, Connor Carrick. I don't think he, the reason why he hasn't played that much is he has not blown people away. I have not seen anything from Connor Carrick. Yeah, would he? Would I prefer him over Polak? Probably, just because I think Dermot style plays a better with a guy like Carrick, who's more of a a puck mover. But Carrick has not shown that he can be enough to push a room Pollock out. Like, you need, in order to, like, look, Kasperi Cabinet pushed out on Matt Martin because he went well, I mean, over yeah. Yeah. over the moon way better. I mean, like, he's being trusted to kill penalties too, right? So, like, yeah. it's not just like, you know, you're a fourth-line depth guy. It's like you're a Connor Carrick does not kill penalties, unfortunately. I mean, yeah, could you teach a guy to kill penalties? Yeah. But Connor Carrick, when he first arrived with the Marlies, was more of a play, power play offensive guy. But Dermot has is not that that style. Like that's not what Babcock wants. Yeah. So, and that and that's again why the free defensive trade market is just it, it's not going to work. I said a guy like Chris Tanev makes the most sense, but he's going to cost a lot. But at the same time, he has injury issues too. So it's like you're. You're setting yourself up for, for a problem. I would have just preferred if the Leafs were going to trade for a defenseman, a guy that can push Ron Hainsey down on the lineup or Zach. A guy to, that won't allow Ron Hainsey to be killed. Just exactly. pretty much should be the... And then a center that you can say is better than Bozak and you're fine with having him in. So th- that's my that's my view on the trade deadline. I, I don't think the Leafs should be hard-pressed to do anything unless... A team so all of a sudden decides, yeah, we're gonna move this guy off. What would you want for? What would, would you like to take a shot at him? Like, and I'm not even talking about a, a rental, like a guy that maybe is around for next season. The team just like we need to yeah. offload something. So, um, that that's all I really have to say about that. I don't know if you have anything you wanted to bring up. The Leafs play the Penguins on Saturday night. Another measuring stick game. If <laughs> if they outplay the Penguins. A like just the game. I hate that term. But I, I, that's I that's all anyone wants to say when the Leafs play someone good. Measuring stick game. Measuring stick game. Measuring how about it's a team? It's like a, you watch it's that a, game against Tampa. It's like how is like Tampa is the best team in the league. Yeah, they, they have everything. And the Leafs jumped out three nothing. You know, blew the lead and then still won in regulation. Right. Yeah. If they had blew the lead, lost in regulation, it's like all right, maybe they're not you know prime for the spot. Also, Vasilevsky did not look good. Yeah. Just want to bring that up. Right? So it's like like they were flying against them, right? So I think Pittsburgh ma- is a matchup I would like to uh, – I'm not going to say measure, I measuring stick. I think any but team that's, you know, that's, that's in that division. A contender in the East that you could see well, as a conference final. Washington football. or Pittsburgh, I, like I want to see how they match up against them because like they've beat Boston. The last time out wasn't that good, but they beat Boston. They've beaten Boston. Did they before. play Tampa well? Like the first time Tampa came, the, the, um, they lost one nothing. It was a two one. Or, yeah, right. So like, and it was that dumb goal that 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 they had to call back down. And yeah. right, so another measuring stick game, and we'll see how they do. But 
mm-hmm. at least play well against Tampa. I mean, against uh, Pittsburgh, just fucking start the playoffs because, yeah, like they're twenty points up on their next on on Florida or whatever. Exactly. Right? So, and then I'm curious to see how many teams that are maybe in the hunt for the playoffs decide. Look, there's only X amount of spots. So let's take a step back, maybe unload a contract in New York and just like. They're yeah. there and they, I find a team like Philadelphia, a team like New Jersey. I mean, New Jersey is kind of in a rebuild. But teams like that, that would open up a lot more opportunities for a team. So. The best part about this season is that the Leafs are so far up in a playoff spot and they still have to play the Sabres four times. Oh, yeah. that's gonna. So that begs the question. Without Jack Eichel. That begs the question, can they jump Boston or will they track down Tampa? I think I have to see how Boston right now is they're on lately. fire, but they're still behind Boston, who's also on fire, and then Tampa. But it's so Tampa. I think, I think second is is reasonable if if Tampa or Boston slips up for a couple of games. Tampa is so Tampa has a game in hand and they're up six points on Toronto. Boston has four games in hand and they're up three points. I have to see how many times Tampa has to play Buffalo as well. I mean, Buffalo's beaten Tampa, and they've beaten uh, Boston. Two days ago. And Buffalo beat Boston. So, I mean, at the same time, the Leafs should be careful with, Bo- no, with Buffalo. I mean, Jack Eichel's hurt. The, the, the Sabres goaltending is suspect. So, that, that does help as well. Um, but I think after after we the Pittsburgh game, I think we can have a better idea of where this team can It's can so go. funny how, like, the division has pretty much been decided in mid-February. It's just, yeah, because Ottawa, Buffalo, Montreal, three worst teams, three of the bottom feeder teams in the league in one division. Yeah. That that does help. And Florida has not looked great. And Detroit has been up and down. Florida could still climb back in things. But, but if they climb back in things, they aren't touching for, Toronto. It's, it's for the wild card. Yeah, like they're... They're playing Carolina. And, I mean, again, you know, the, that's a team, again, that maybe they need a different mix somewhere and someone needs – they need to do something. Yeah. Maybe, hey, is there an Ekblad available? <laughs> Which never would happen, but – Yeah, let's just go find an Ekblad somewhere. Just just say, hey, you know what? You guys are close, but, you know, if you trade an Ekblad, it may help you out in the long <laughs> further down the road. As we give those stupid trade suggestions, I think that's a good time to uh, to end this. Uh, again, we'd like to thank you guys for listening to a longer version of the Tip of the Tower podcast, but we spent, I think, a little too much time talking about a fourth-round pick in Sashnikov. But, hey, that's what podcasts are for. Make sure you follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Just search Tip of the Tower. Uh, go to Block Talk Radio, and you'll find our past few episodes recommend the chat with Keegan Matheson. I think that's the one that you can bring up at any time and still becomes relevant. Uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter. I'll, I'll give Austin. I didn't even forgot to ask Austin the shut up Austin. <laughs> hey Austin, how many more followers do you get? See, he's not here, so he can't answer that. But if you want to follow Austin, just to make, uh, make him happy underscore Austin Owens. Uh, you can follow Richard at R. Lee Sam, myself at D underscore Morsuti, two S's, two T's, one R. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, we'll probably wait a little bit for the next podcast. We want to get a couple more Leaf games under the belt. Uh, we'll look at the Raptors players that uh, competed in the All-Star game, which 
I'm a little bit intrigued to see, although the Rising Star Gate, Rising Stars Challenge, I'm not going to get into that. We'll get into that next week because I think that's the perfect time to do it. Thank you, guys. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the Olympics. But, but a week and a half left, so enjoy those while they're still going on. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.